This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Friday edition of the program. This is the the final live program of the year. We're going to be playing some best of uh, programs and interviews that you may have uh, heard, you may not have heard. Uh, Definitely replaying those from now till uh, January. And uh, I'm very excited. Great show we're going to have for you tonight. Love being with you guys on a Friday night. The phone number, if you want to join our late night national town hall conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I want to get into a couple of things today. Of course, um, you know, Joe El Baboso Biden's always up to his usual. And there's uh, the Supreme Court. They said, we are not, we are not going to weigh in on Jack Smith's request. Of course, Jack Smith was appointed special counsel by Merrick Garland. And he uh, asked the Supreme Court to weigh in and and see if Trump's claim had validity, his claim that he was immune from prosecution because of his uh, position as president of the United States and having uh, qualified immunity or presidential immunity. So... Uh, the Supreme Court has denied Jack Smith the um, the opportunity to clarify that. Uh, so, super. Uh, we also have the annual Rand Paul Festivus report where he uh, exposes government waste. This year, the number is $900 billion in government waste. Unbelievable. But I want you to listen to a report that we've got. Uh, we've got a report from... Fox News senior congressional correspondent uh, Chad Pergram uh, discussing the Supreme Court decision to reject uh, the clarification that Jack Smith special counsel uh, requested. Listen to this. What the Supreme Court has said, they're not going to hear this on an emergency basis, meaning it's not going to be something that's going to be fast-tracked. This will go through the court system the regular way. It'll go to a federal appeals court first. There will be oral arguments there. They will have to determine uh, what the uh, what the judgment of that court is, one way or the other. And then there would be probably an appeal by both sides, either side, depending on the verdict there, to the Supreme Court. So this might still take a while to go through the federal court and if and when it ever goes to the Supreme Court. 
So that is the uh, the current state of affairs with the request for for what's going on with um, Trump's immunity um, defense that Jack Smith asked them to clarify very quickly. And they're saying, no, we might clarify it later, but we're not clarifying it right now. That's for sure. So that's that. Now, special counsel Jack Smith, you know, um, he urged the Supreme Court to bypass the federal appeals court and quickly hear an appeal as to whether former uh, President Donald Trump had immunity in the 2020 election. The filing by Jack Smith came a day after Trump's team, the legal team, uh, met their deadline to answer Smith's first filing on December 11th, urging the Supreme Court for this end to go through the appellate process. Now, the question at hand is whether Trump can be prosecuted on charges that he plotted to overturn the 2020 election or the results of the election. Uh, which, again, I think that's every candidate's job is to to make sure that they win. Right. So if they get a result that they don't win, they want to overturn those uh, results. I think that makes all the sense in the world. That's what Hillary Clinton did. That is what Stacey Abrams did. That's what a number of candidates did. And nobody ever put them in jail. Nobody ever called them insurrectionists. Nobody ever did anything uh, except think that that was normal and appropriate. But yet when Trump does it, it's a big deal. Anyway, Smith wants to uh, keep the March 4th trial date that he has, noting that the normal process would put that date in, in jeopardy because if this goes through the regular appellate process, they might push that back and the date would be after the election. And that might, um, you know, favor Trump, right? <laughs> He's going to run for president. But like, yeah, I've got, you know, I've got, I've got court later on. But the um, Trump team has accused Smith of having partisan motivation for the end around of this program, right? They, they, they're saying you're trying to, to end our ability to go through the appellate process. So Smith says that the case will end up before the Supreme Court either way and they might as well go ahead and do it now, saying, quote, only this court can provide the final word on his immunity defense. And that's what he put in his filing. The right to a speedy trial doesn't exist for the federal government. It's a constitutional right bestowed upon the defendant. Uh, former acting uh, uh, U.S. attorney Matt Whitaker said to Newsmax. And that was his quote. So and for Smith to suggest that somehow his case deserves uh, an expedited trial schedule and then an expedited appeals schedule of bypassing the appeals court is really aggressive and purely political, according to Whitaker, because he says that this is him trying to interfere in the election. I think I agree with that, that you just got to let nature take its course, just like I said with George Santos, just like I said with anybody else, even George, Joe Biden, right? Um, you, you've got to go through the numbers. We can't just go, well, we think everybody's going to agree to impeach uh, Biden, so let's get him out of office. No. You've got to go through the committee process. You've got to bring the articles of impeachment. You've got to do the inquiry. You've got to go through it. It's got to get through the House, then it's got to get to the Senate. And it may not get through the Senate. Everything has a process. And I believe even if you're Joe Biden and you're guilty of sin, you have to go through that process. We can't just take away people's due process rights, whatever the due process is, right? Whether it's a civil, criminal, or political process like impeachment. I think you've got to respect the process. Anyway, Jonathan Turley, um, he's a legal scholar for Fox News. He weighed in on this, and he says that the Supreme Court rejected this appeal to expedite the Trump immunity case because Jack Smith, well, obviously, um, 
go off the cliff if he loses his March date. And it really, that's what it's all about, is staying on, on top of being able to derail the election. Listen to this. I think that part of the, the dynamic here is that the special counsel was asking to effectively leapfrog over the D.C. circuit uh, in order to get a judgment as quickly as possible. Uh, Jack Smith has made very clear that he wants this case tried before the election. And what a lot of us have said is that it's unlikely that many of the justices have the same sense of urgency because Trump would be eligible for the presidency even if he were convicted. And regular order demands usually that the court hears from the appellate court. Mm -hmm. Now, the impact of this decision on Smith uh, is going to be anything but good. I mean, the, the reason he was so uh, insistent on an, uh, 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 leapfrogging the D.C. Circuit is that he believes that this could end up endangering the March trial date. Now, that yeah. date, if you remember, was shoehorned by the court just before Super Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Everything has been frozen since the court uh, looked at this question. Mm -hmm. So he may indeed lose that March date. And then it's a real problem. You go right over a cliff because this is a very jammed calendar. So it's not clear if he could fit a trial uh, between that date and the election. Well, there you have it. That's Jonathan Turley. You know, what? I think his analysis on this is spot on. He's correct in saying that Jack Smith wants to keep this tight and on track and on 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 schedule so that they can interfere in the election. Right. They, their goal here is not justice. Their goal is to get Trump off the ballot, to disqualify Trump however they can, to tie him up in litigation. And if this goes beyond the the date of the election and something that's later on, well, then they haven't done their job. Right. Because, again, they're not pursuing justice. And as, as sad as that sounds, that's uh, lamentably what we have. So stick around, folks. We're going to continue that conversation. We're going to get into some other things, too. We're also going to talk about how people are managing, right, uh, with the holidays. Some people get really happy this time of year because they're going to get some gifts from their loved ones. Other people get kind of sad and irritable. They might get a little snippy. So we're going to discuss how do you deal with people that are kind of uh, out of sorts during the holidays. I'm going to get into that as well. Plus your calls and a whole lot more straight ahead. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez with an 
All right, America, welcome back. And again, we're talking about Donald Trump. Um, today's decision, Supreme Court says they're not going to rule on former President Trump's presidential immunity claim. Now, the U.S. Supreme Court uh, today declined, uh, flat out said, no, we're not doing it, to um, immediately decide, as was requested by Jack Smith, the um, special um, counsel appointed by President well, not so much by President Biden, but more so by Merrick Garland. And and that's a whole other topic of conversation that I want to get into. And let me see if I can find something to share with you on that one. Because ultimately, uh, this is what's come into question. There was an amicus brief, right? A friend of the court brief by Ed Meese, former United States attorney under Ronald Reagan. And he... He says, him and several others, they say the special counsel himself is unconstitutional, right? So what authority does he have? And this is a very interesting argument. And they filed this with the Supreme Court yesterday. So it comes as no surprise to me that the Supreme Court said, "Uh uh-uh, no, thank you. We're not taking the bait, Jack Smith. We're not going to take this case as you're requesting because we don't even know if you're the guy. At least, and that's my inference, right? That's what I'm hearing. But check this out. Former Attorney General Ed Meese, he presented arguments to the Supreme Court that they should reject special counsel Jack Smith's request because he was unconstitutionally appointed in the first place. Now, Meese, along with law professors Stephen G. Calabresi and Gary Lawson, filed a friend of the court brief or an amicus brief on Wednesday to present the case that Attorney General Merrick Garland's appointment of Jack Smith, who is a private citizen, is in violation of the appointments clause of the Constitution. And this is what they said. Not clothed in the authority of the federal government, Smith is a modern example of a naked emperor. Improperly appointed, he has no more authority to represent the United States in this court than Bryce Harper, Taylor Swift, or Jeff Bezos. (laughs) The brief was filed in response to Smith's request to the court to expedite former President Donald Trump's case, arguing that presidential immunity for his actions on January 6, 2021, which are connected to the criminal charges brought by Smith. Now, what's interesting here is that Meese argues that the legality of Smith's appointment is sufficient to sink Smith's petition and the court should definitely deny the review of that petition. Now, former General Meese, he says that uh, him and his crew, these other law professors and scholars, uh, they note in the brief that Mr. Smith was appointed to, quote, conduct the ongoing investigation into whether any person or entity, including uh, former President Donald Trump, violated the law in connection with efforts to interfere with the lawful transfer of power following the 2020 presidential election or the certification of the electoral college vote held on or about January 6, 2021. Now, while Garland cited as statutory uh, statutory authority for his appointment, Meese argues that none of those statutes nor any other statutory or constitutional provision remotely authorizes the appointment by the attorney general 
of a private citizen to res- to get this type of uh, extraordinary criminal law enforcement power under the title of what they call special counsel. Secondarily, even if one overlooks the absence of the statutory authority for the position, there is no statute specifically authorizing the attorney general rather than the president by and with the advice and consent of the Senate to appoint such a special counsel. And again, that's according to um, General Meese. So under the appointments clause, inferior officers can be appointed by department heads only if Congress so directs them by statute and so directs specifically enough to overcome a clear statement uh, presumption in favor of presidential appointment and senatorial confirmation. No such statute exists right now for the special counsel. And this is the case that they're making. Now, Meese served as President Reagan's attorney general, and he said the special counsel, if it, a valid officer, if he's a valid officer. Great, my computer froze. This is good. By the way, I'm reading this uh, from the uh, New York Post. Very good piece. Very good piece by Brianna Hurley. But to get back to that spot where I was before this froze, uh, he says that the the um, special counsel, if he is in fact a valid officer, is a superior or principal officer rather than an inferior officer and thus cannot be appointed by any means other than a presidential appointment and senatorial confirmation, regardless of what any statutes purport to say. Now, earlier this month, Jack Smith asked the Supreme Court to weigh in on this, and they, again, decided today to say, no, we're not weighing in on anything, at least not now. So uh, Smith wants, obviously, for this thing to go very quickly, and nobody knows how long it's actually going to take to figure this thing out. But the bottom line is that former Attorney General of the United States, Edwin Meese, and a couple of law professors, law scholars, they all agree. Smith was appointed by Garland and made a special counsel. He was given all of the authority that a United States attorney would have, but they don't, Garland doesn't have the right to do that. Biden has the right to do that, but he can only do it if he appoints him and names him. Now, people would say, but we've had special counsels before. We have. However, the scope is limited, and the independent counsel statute that once existed has sunset. doesn't exist anymore. So, hmm, is the question. Is Jack Smith even a legitimate prosecutor in this case? Does he even have the authority to do what he's trying to do? These guys are arguing no. I tend to think that Ed Meese and uh, these these other scholars that have signed on to this note, I think they know what they're talking about. Makes sense to me. And that might be why the Supreme Court said, we're not going to do this right now. Because I think even they doubt the validity of Jack Smith's office. Let's see what happens. Folks, anyway, we're going to continue with our talk on the holiday blues and more. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to him. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And with the end of the holidays fast approaching, many people find themselves dreading going back to the day-to-day grind, even if they experience stress over the holidays. And again, it's we're days away from, uh, you know, my culture, uh, Puerto Ricans, Americans of Puerto Rican descent. We uh, celebrate New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve the same way, right? You wait till midnight and then you party. So uh, there's no opening presents in the morning. We open presents at midnight and it's a lot of fun. And with the with us being days away from that, there's obviously some stress that goes with it. Um, I, I've in the past been very stressed out at certain family events. Not so much anymore. I've learned this wonderful thing called mindfulness. And um, it, it really does help, honestly. But there's a lot of people that are stressed out during the holidays. And, and people do become very depressed or anxious. They feel a, a, a lack of something or other. For me, for many years, there's a lack of my parents being around because um, they're gone now. And Dr. Deborah Mandel understands how this works. She's She's a psychologist, and she's written a number of books around the scenarios like these. Her latest is called Sassy and Rude, A New Attitude, and it takes a closer look at how to relate with adult daughters and the tough love and approach that you need to mend those fences. And what's interesting is I happen to have adult daughters, so obviously I gravitate toward a topic like this. Dr. Mandel joins us right now to give us some helpful advice on beating the post-holiday blues, the pre-holiday blues, and to bring in a positive outlook for the new year. Dr. Deborah Mandel, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Wow, everything you said is, you're right on. And and just everybody should take that word mindfulness right now and just write it down because that is one of the key things that we will talk about. Do you want to go with the pre-holiday life first since we're right up at that edge or you want to talk I, I, about I, I would love first? that. I'd love that. And, okay. I, for what else, and I, I just want to preface what, what I said uh, with the idea that for a long time, I struggled with being very, um, just very short tempered. And I would read that I needed to be mindful, but I was like, I just don't know how to do that. <laughs> how do I manage to be, how do I manage to remember stuff when I'm in the midst of being angry in the throes of rage and anger or, or disappointment or whatever it was. And 
for me, it took losing someone of uh, of significant um, uh, position in my life where uh, they were just like, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. And, 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 and it was that loss that made me think, you know, do, do I really need to be a jerk that's that short-tempered all the time? Uh, and, and it makes you really forces yourself to reevaluate things. And when that happens, it's very eye-opening. And uh, But for that, I probably would not have realized the lesson of being able to dig deep and, you know, actually, you know, count to 10, do the 444 breathing, whatever. Just really focus on what you've got rather than what you don't have. So, Doc, um, walk us through it. What is it like? What do you recommend for people that are going into, you know, the next couple of days, these holiday events? What say you? Yes, and first of all, I would say, Watch for your expectations, whether those are known expectations or more under the blanket expectations. We all have them. It's part of human nature. We have expectations of how people are supposed to behave, how we're supposed to behave, how the world is supposed to happen. And most of us get disappointed, particularly when we have unspoken or unconscious expectations. Mm. So expectations are resentments under construction and a a sure recipe for disappointments. So we want to try to keep our expectations reasonable, right? So we're walking into this holiday season right now and, and it's already been there. We've got Hanukkah that's just passed. And so people have been in this for quite a while and uh, there's a lot of expectations going on. We see this in our Hallmark commercials, the Hallmark movies. We see this in the, the different cards that are out there and everything is supposed to be peachy keen and dandy. And for most of us, it's not that way. For most of us, we're going to have a little bit of dread about some of the events that may be coming up. We're going to see some family members or friends that maybe we don't really consider to be friends anymore, wouldn't really pick them as our family members. So we ha- can have a lot of stress that comes our way with that. So again, expectations are really important to monitor those. And the other is to give up perfectionism. That is one thing that shows up for so many people as to why they end up having so much more difficulty after the holidays is because we expect ourselves to have these ideal standards of how we're supposed to be. And most of us can never live up to that. And you know that saying, you can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. It's so true. And yet we oh, yeah. run around circles on, on the freeways. Oh, you talk about irritability. Have you noticed how much road rage there is right now? Mm-hmm. People trying to get in and out of parking structures. And we have all this news out there that they're setting to people. And so people are just on high stress. It's really important to spend some good quality time with oneself before entering into these activities and just do some deep breathing, do some reconnection with what your core values are, what is it that you're really hoping to accomplish, and be compassionate and empathetic both of yourself and of others because other people are struggling also. You know, Doc, I think these are all great points. And for so many people, I think they they go into this and they um, – they just want to have a good time, right? They want to have a good time. They don't want to fight uh, during the holidays or holiday dinners or whatever it is. But I feel like they feel, I know in my situation, when I go to certain family functions, there's always just a family member or a couple of family members, people that rub you the wrong way. And, and for years, what I've done is try to just say, well, I know so-and-so is going to rub me the wrong way. So I just need to prepare myself for that and kind of eat it or kind of prepare myself for, you know, that and, and, uh, just figure out how to endure it. And it, for me, things didn't change until I realized that I, um, I really 
had a lot of choices here. And I didn't realize how many choices I had. I thought I just had to deal with this. I had to kind of swallow it and, and move on to avoid the conflict. But I think in many cases, you don't have to avoid the conflict altogether. I, I think you can really, if you, it really depends on your perspective of the situation, at least for what I've learned for me. And when I realized that I could get angry or I could say, you know, I've got a chance here, an opportunity, a choice to do things differently, to kill them with kindness or to do something else, to to choose not to get angry, to choose not to get slighted, to choose not to feel the way I have felt in the past. And when I don't feel slighted, I, I don't get these um, explosive eruptions of emotion where I'm just like, ah, screw you. You know, I'm just like, all right, whatever. Cool. And. And it's a lot easier to be uh, calm and relaxed and chill, if you will, when you choose how you're going to respond. But that took me forever to learn. And I'm wondering, what can you say in, in that regard to help listeners understand that they, too, can achieve that? You're 100% accurate. And one of the themes in all of my books, including my recent Sassy and Rude, her new attitude, mostly for mothers and daughters, but for all relationships, one of the biggest things is being accountable for our own feelings, actions, and reactions, and not holding on to that over which we have no control. Because so many of us are working our lives trying to be in control of that which we cannot control. And so it's really important, one, is to understand that our feelings come from our interpretations of our perceptions of events. So how we choose to feel about something ultimately is how we choose to interpret that which we see. So bringing it back to the family gathering or something, some event that may be coming up and you're sitting with somebody who you think is difficult. Now you can allow that person to rub you the wrong way, or you can say, wait a second, what I see here is somebody who's also in distress. This is that person's only way of managing and coping with that. And I can either be loving and kind, or I can take it personally and be reactive and possibly even antagonistic or aggressive in return. And actually, it turns into a combustible situation rather than something where I could actually calm it down and say something simple and kind like, wow, it sounds like, you know, that's a really difficult experience for you. Or it sounds like you're really struggling and I'm sorry for your tension, but you know, I really am here to have a good time. So I'd love it if we could try to lighten this up a little bit. There's things we can say to people that take care of our own selves with good boundaries where we're still compassionate toward others. And that's really key. So keeping in mind that how we interpret something is what yields our feelings and we can change our interpretations and therefore we can change our feelings and our emotions. Outstanding. Uh, Doc, I want you to stick with us. We're, folks, we're on with Dr. Deborah Mandel. Uh, she's a, a psychologist and the author of Sassy and Rude. That's uh, her new attitude. That's the full title of the book, Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the book in an upcoming segment. Uh, but straight ahead, I want to talk a little bit about the what, what you just talked about, which was uh, that choice that one makes and and how to diffuse these potential things. Because I think oftentimes people feel like those aren't my words, right? Those are your words and you're the psychologist, but I don't really talk that way. And oftentimes I think people feel like they're in conflict and they just don't know what to say and they need those words. They need the right way to say something. Oftentimes it's not um, what you say, it's how you say it. People perceive things a certain way and then, you know, they take it the wrong way. And I think it's important to be armed with uh, the right tools. So folks stick around. We're coming right back with Dr. Deborah Mandel. Uh, discussing her new book, Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude, 
833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back. Amigos, we're on with Dr. Deborah Mandel. She's a psychologist and the author of the new book, uh, Sassy, Rude, and, excuse me, I, I messed it up. <laughs> Take two. Sassy, Rude, Her New Attitude. Uh, you can get that on Amazon.com. It's an excellent book from what I can see. I have not read it, uh, but so far it sounds uh, like it really tackles things that are important um, because I've met a number of people over the last year or two or three that, you know, people always talk about daddy issues, but there's also a lot of a lot to be said for mommy issues, right? Da- daughters that have certain issues with their mom that are not really catastrophic issues but can have catastrophic consequences if they go unresolved. But before we get into that, I want to get into uh, this, how to handle these moments where one needs to be mindful and uh, something that we left off on before uh, before the break. And Dr. Deborah Mandel, you, you'd mentioned a couple of things that were really good about trying to diffuse things with people that are somewhat challenging or difficult. And and again, it's for me, I, I've learned this is a matter of uh, perspective, right, it, depending on how you look at it. But uh, please continue. Oh, of course. And you had mentioned earlier, right before we took the break, of tone of voice is so critical, right? If we're coming from a loving and kind-hearted place, and that shows up in our body language and in our tone of voice, then our message, we can say a lot of things that may be difficult to hear, but it's going to be much better received than if we come from a place of anger, hostility, feeling personally attacked, acting like a victim, like, how dare you? As opposed to, again, coming from the point of reference that this person is probably struggling with their own stuff. In the same way, when you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off, you can yell at them, scream at them and chase after them. Or you can take a pause and say, I bet that person's having a bad day. Or... They're so preoccupied that they didn't notice, but you know what? I'm just going to role model calm and serene behavior. So also when we're in a situation that could potentially be volatile and we can take it down a notch ourselves through our breathing and through, again, just being accountable for our own actions, not trying to control someone else's, we can de-escalate a situation just because calm tends to beget more calm, just as aggression tends to beget more aggression. So you choose, right? Again, it it becomes our choice. And it's that taking responsibility for our own behavior that is so critical in these situations. And by the way, if you're the one who puts your foot in your mouth or you've had that extra glass of wine and you say something kind of dumb, you know, you always have an opportunity to heal that by calling that person later on or saying, you know what, I was out of line. I'm so sorry about that. Please forgive me. Taking ownership of that tends to soften people. And that's a really big theme in all of my books. Outstanding. And I want to get into uh, the the latest book, Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude. 
uh, because I think there's this is a topic uh, that personally I, I've seen with a lot of things. I have two daughters. They uh, occasionally have a contentious relationship with me. They occasionally have a contentious relationship with their mom. And and I'd say it probably comes up with their mom more often than me uh, just because they kind of always grew up being daddy's little girls um, and their mom was always very, you know, tough. Uh, but I, I realize that this is an ongoing thing. I've met a lot of people that have had very tough moms growing up. And and it's a thing, right? And and I, I think your book kind of addresses this in part where you, you talk about, you know, bridging the gap between moms and daughters. What inspired you to write this book? Quite frankly, my own challenges with my daughter over the course of her teens and, and young mm-hmm. adulthood, and we still have our trials and tribulations, and then along with hundreds of mother-daughter duos who have come in and out of my practice, where I've really learned to fine-tune my understanding of that dynamic. And by the way, one of the critical aspects of this is that know that just because it's written for mothers and daughters, so many of these tools and applications can can go with anybody, fathers right. and sons, fathers and daughters, mothers and sons, just our relationships in general. Because the basic through line of the book is, again, what am I responsible for? What have I done that may have caused some of these concerns? And understanding that if my daughter sees me in a certain way and I see her in a certain way, as we both may see each other as the sassy and rude one, even though it's written primarily for the moms, but it's also for daughters who are also scratching their head going, why is my mom such a BI? You know where I'm going with that. <laughs> and right. so we're not, we're not saying that on air, but you know, that, that concern and comment comes up in our heads sometimes. So it's, it's really about trying to understand how old wounds may have been created. And one of the things I talk about is being the too nice mom, because we have this thing called pendulum parenting where yeah. a lot of people in my generation, we were raised with a heavy hand. Our parents, our moms in particular, right. did not cut us any slack. It's like you do what you're told. You're supposed to be seen and, and not heard and do as I say, not as I do. All those messages that we heard. And, and for many people, it was very strict and it was not about your creativity. And many of us have gone way overboard. Now, we don't want it to be the most loving mom on the planet, give our daughters everything that we didn't get, help her feel so loved that we failed to set good boundaries. And so we want to also be mindful of boundaries. So the theme of the book, though, is about healing those old wounds, inviting an olive branch to your daughter, and encouraging her to do the same with you, where you take accountability and responsibility for the ways in which you may have had your shortcomings fail one another, and then be able to have a dialogue that's very loving and kind and get through that, uh, yeah. that rude. And, and the whole idea of the book is bring back the sugar and spice and your not so nice <laughs> adult daughter. That that's actually the subtitle. So it's well, a very I want to, I want to get into that with you. I got to take a pause right here. Uh, it's the wonder of life radio folks. We're on with Deborah Mandel. Uh, she's a PhD a psychologist and she's the author of sassy and rude, her new attitude. And we're, we're going to discuss um, what she's talking about right now, because I think you're giving us a great overview, and that's great. It's kind of like the, the back of the book. Um, I, I want to get into a little bit about the, the interior, the meat and potatoes of this, because I think this is so important when you're talking about being too nice, the too nice parent, or 
old wounds. Uh, I think there's a lot of people listening right now that because they were raised with that heavy hand, they're like, what's an old wound? I have nothing but old wounds. <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to heal the old wound. No, nobody's ever thought about healing the old wound for many people in, uh, in the Gen X and, and boomer generation. So I want to dig into that a little bit as well. Folks, don't go anywhere. Coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We continue our conversation with the author of Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude, Dr. Deborah Mandel. And what's interesting here, Doc, is you mentioned a few things, and we're going to dig deep. Uh, We won't have a ton of time in this particular segment, but you mentioned old wounds. And I got to tell you, being a a brute of a man, right? I I don't know anything about wounds until like, I don't know, like six months ago, I started reading about this and I realized, oh my gosh, people are injured like for the long term by words, incidents, occurrences that happen in their childhood and other places. And, And it affects their entire adulthood and their entire relationship with certain people, including their parents. So I want to dig into that with you. Stick with us, Dr. Deborah Mandel, author of Sassy and Rude. You got to get a couple of copies of this book before Christmas. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Hour number two, Don't Move a Muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program, hour number two. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free to give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And again, a couple of little rundown on some headlines here. Uh, Senator Rand Paul released his annual Festivus report, which exposed $900 billion in government waste. We'll go through that at the top of the next hour. Uh, The Supreme Court of the United States declined to expedite the request by the special counsel, Jack Smith, to uh, review the immunity debate in uh, the 2020 election case uh, involving former President Trump. We've also got President Biden pardoning all federal marijuana use charges. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. And we were talking with Dr. Deborah Mandel uh, about her book, Sassy and Rude, discussing, you know, what types of old wounds, childhood wounds might exist, what those are, for those of you who've never heard this uh, terminology, and how you navigate around these offenses that may have, uh, you know, bent you out of shape way back when that are still affecting you. Sometimes you don't even know 
what what it what it was or or how it happened or whatnot. And you just know that there was this instance that you were displeased and you move forward in life around that and dealing with things that way. And there's a better way. And she's written this book called Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude. And it's it's framed from the position of a daughter and a mom, but it really works with any relationship. And as we go into the holidays, as we go into Christmas and we just wrapped up Hanukkah, where people are gathering, they're around the table, we're going into New Year's, uh, there's going to be a lot of um, activities, right? There's a lot of, uh, of celebration. And they can go well, uh, they can be mundane, or they could be disastrous depending on how you view this stuff. So I want to continue our conversation there and in particular drill down on what these wounds are like, how they happen, and how people can deal with them. Dr. Deborah Mandel, welcome back. Thank you so much. You know, on the break, I was giving a little thought to this, and I thought it might be nice for your audience to hear that I'm a very relatable person here, so I'll share a little bit of my own personal story. My mom was uh, very much a perfectionist. She was not raised with parents much of her own. They were quite abusive. She was on her own at an early age. She uh, migrated from Estonia to Sweden to Canada, and then she was a model, and she met my dad. She was very young. He was older. She did not know what the heck she was doing, and they moved uh, to California and had children, and she, her whole life became about being a mom, though she didn't really want to be a mom. She had given up her career, so she actually had a lot of animosity toward that role, and it kind of came out in the ways of very perfectionistic, very heavy-handed, very harsh with her words. If I left a a drink cup, like a cup of water on the table and went off to go do something for a minute and came back, the cup was gone, cleaned up, and the scowl on her face was, how could you leave that for me to do kind of thing. So I just became this relentless mommy pleaser. I did everything I could, straight A's, A pluses. No matter what I did, you were as good as your last A, right? Now what have you done lately? I saved my money for her Mother's Day gifts and all that stuff. And I just did that over and over and over again for years until I kind of became a petulant acting out teenager, but not at home. I just went off on my own path. So I definitely have that experience. I want people to understand that this is not just from clinical knowledge and not just from book reading, but truly a personal experience. And when I had children, my one daughter, actually, I decided I am not going to make those mistakes. I'm going to give her so much love, shower her with so much that I could possibly give to her. So she always feels good about herself. And you know what? It was just unrealistic because I also failed to set some really important boundaries. I kind of caved in and gave in to just about everything. And so it didn't do her much good either because she didn't really know what the boundaries were. She didn't really know what the limits were. It was just a a very permissive experience. So we would later on have our own conflicts. And, uh, So I wrote this book inspired a lot by that experience, as well as, again, like I said earlier, of a lot of the clients that I've worked with over the years. And you said something earlier about, you know, people can say a lot of words that are harsh, and but people say words are just words. But no, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones and words can never hurt me is just Mm. a crock. It's not true. The words that are spoken to us, particularly when we're young and vulnerable, can have a very lasting effect. So there are so many things that can cause deep emotional wounds neglect, abandonment, just disinterest, overall disinterest in the child or, you know, the severe cases of abuse, of course, but even just 
Not being able to please a parent, seeing that they're just not happy with you can be very scarring. Now, some people just brush that off and they bounce right off of it and say whatever and they carry on. But for others, it has a very deep toll on their inner self and their self-value. And they have what I call a sensitive heart. So that sensitivity ends up being kind of clouded instead of feeling good about one's sensitivity. It feels like it's a curse. It feels like it's something bad. And that can breed a sense of victimization and then not really thriving in life. So this book is really about the step-by-step process of getting rid of blame and shame, taking ownership and responsibility for one's self and one's actions, making amends where amends can be, identifying what kind of too nice mom are you? I've got the nervous Nelly. I've got per- perfectionistic Mm. Pia. I've got, you know, five different types. I've got different types of sassy and rude daughters. And it's really not about labeling. If that's kind of the fun part, just to, because people relate to that, but it's really about diving in deep and digging into those wounds and understanding where they came from and doing these sugar and spice exercises that are all throughout the book about how to make amends, how to make things right, how to encourage your daughter to come forth and share with you the things that she may be holding on to. So you have this open dialogue and eventually can create this beautiful healing tree. You know, Doc, as I'm hearing you say that, it, it, it sounds to me like there's uh, a lot in the book and people should definitely uh, pick up a copy of the book, Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude. You can get it on Amazon. Um, Order it now. You'll have it in time for uh, Three Kings Day. Uh, you'll probably get it just a couple of days past Christmas. And I always recommend getting a couple, one for yourself and one for someone else. But w- what, I'm, what I'm hearing you discuss, it sounds like these things that you've described that could happen when you're a child um, can have an a, impact on your self-worth. They could have an impact on how you relate to people in the future. I've recently been doing some reading and had a different um, psychologist on the show that was um, discussing attachment styles. And I had no mm-hmm. idea such a thing existed. And it, you know, some sure. of what you said made me th- think back to that conversation where this could inform and create these um, unhealthy or insecure attachment styles, which could plague people forever. And it, it kind of tricks them into thinking they like somebody when they don't really like somebody. They like the particular attachment style, which is a fascinating concept to me. Yes, we tend to recreate that, which is most familiar to us, hoping for a different outcome. Doesn't make any sense, but it's it's what we do. So if we have a disinterested parent, a parent who we could never please, then we will tend to flock toward people in our lives who we cannot please, hoping, again, that we can have vindication somehow or another i'm going to do it right this time and this person is going to give me that endless praise that i feel that i really desire and crave but it's not really what's so and so we have to heal those wounds internally as best we can so we make ourselves whole rather than having those h-o-l-e's we make ourselves w-h-o-l-e by giving ourselves the validation the acknowledgement the appreciation all those things that we look for in someone else we take ownership that It becomes our job to do that. Of course, other people in our lives are a bonus pack, right? You want people in your life who are kind to you and generous and thoughtful and caring and empathetic, but we don't seek those people out because oftentimes if we don't have that for ourselves, we're a magnet for more of the same. So we may treat, you know, oftentimes they say victims and perpetrators go together because the victim is finding the perpetrator. The perpetrator is finding the victim and the victim can become the perpetrator. It just becomes this, this very corrupt balance, if you will, in the psyche 
that doesn't really get us anyplace. So we want to really heal those wounds so they don't wreak havoc in our lives, so that they don't come out in destructive ways, either toward others or towards ourselves. That's often what I see in my practice is people who turn those negative thoughts against themselves. So rather than being angry or hurt by the people who may have actually legitimately hurt them, they hurt themselves, they harm themselves, they become suicidal or they don't practice self-care. They do self-destructive behaviors, compulsive shopping, compulsive eating, all those things that we're all familiar with. So it's really about internal healing and forgiveness. It's about, it's about loving one another. There's, there's a little um, phrase I want to say that was really meaningful to me that my daughter brought to me last year. She's, she's a very uh, kind of free-flowing spirit gal, sure. and she alerted me to this. Uh, it's a practice uh, actually based in Hawaii that is called Ho'opono Opono, and it's, mm. it's a little prayer, if you will. And what it means is, I'm sorry, forgive me, thank you, I love you. It, it, it's interesting how life is really that simple, right? <laughs> when, oh, when you it can boil be, but we down. complicate it. Right. Yes, right. we do. And so much of that can be learned. In, in your book, I think you explain a lot of this stuff from what I'm reading in the description. And I want to urge a lot of people to get this book, Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude. Uh, it sounds like a life changer for a lot of people. Dr. Deborah Mandel, PhD, is the author. Doc, let everybody know. Uh, how they could uh, get a copy of the book and how they could follow you, whether it's social media or your website. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I just want to make sure that I said that because I'm so appreciative and I'm so appreciative of praise and, and diving in deeply to this piece of work. That's so important to me. It's such an important, hopefully to your audience as well. Uh, Yes. You can find me at drdebraonline.com, D-R-D-E-B-R-A online.com. The book is available at retailers and on all your favorite online uh, sellers. Uh, Amazon.com, of course, is one of the the places many people go, but there are others as well. And, uh, And my social media, all my connectors are on my website and you can find me. I won't even go off and list all those because that takes too much time, but if you want to find me, you'll find me. And I appreciate feedback very much, by the way. So I really do welcome people to contact me, give me, give me your feedback about the show, give me your feedback about the book. You can always post a review on Amazon. I really appreciate that a lot. And I really hope that this message of tough love, but also it's really a gentle journey about letting go of that blame shame game and just finding accountability, ownership, and love. Outstanding. Uh, Dr. Deborah Mandel, she's the author of Sassy and Rude. I recommend you get a couple of copies of the book and check out her website, drdebraonline.com. That's a D-R-D-E-B-R-A online.com. And Doc, I want to welcome you back next year at some point, uh, maybe in January or February, to do a little bit more of a deep dive, not just into this book, but uh, maybe some of the past topics you've discovered, because I think this is a, a part of life that it's very new to me. I just didn't know this existed. I was raised by two very tough Puerto Rican parents and thought that's just how life was. And as I'm an adult now and both my parents are gone and I see my kids and they're, they're bringing things to me and they're like, why don't you do this? And I'm like, we don't do it like that. And but I'm realizing we don't we can do it like that. It's just we just because I didn't doesn't mean we can't. And, and there, you know, there, there are things that we can do. And at the end of the day, if it helps the situation, then why wouldn't we improve relationships with our loved ones? So I, I want to thank you for being with us and, and for putting this book together. Godspeed to you. And Happy New Year. Oh, thank you so much. And remember that vulnerability is our strength. So hold on to that. 
Amen to that. Dr. Deborah Mandel, check her out at drdebraonline.com. Folks, straight ahead, we're going to continue with more Don't Go Anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. The most important poll released in the last 20 years came out stating that 20% of the mail-in ballots in the 2020 presidential election were rigged or defective. It was the Rasmussen poll, highly respected. That means that the election was a giant scam. You cannot have a fair and honest election as long as there are mail-in ballots involved. Cheating will always be prevalent. France and many other countries have stopped the madness. They got rid of their mail-in votes. The Republican Party must do something now. They have to work, they have to stick together, and they have to fight because the Democrats cheat. They cheat like nobody has ever cheated before. It's a disgrace. Uh, That is former President Donald Trump um, beating around the bush. Just kidding. (laughs) It couldn't have been more clear and more direct, right? He he always says what's on his mind. And uh, this comes on the heels of a federal judge in West Virginia rejecting a bid on Thursday. So yesterday, uh, late yesterday, to remove former President Trump from the state's ballot like they did in Colorado. But West Virginia said, no, we're not doing it. District Judge Irene Berger ruled that uh, John Anthony Castro, the candidate who filed a lawsuit against President Trump, lacked the standing to sue. And she sided with attorneys for President Trump, uh, the Secretary of State, Mac Warner, and the West Virginia uh, Republican Party to dismiss Mr. Castro's suit. U.S. District Judge Irene Berger wrote that the evidence that Mr. Castro submitted Uh, removes any doubt that Mr. Castro's purported campaign exists as a vehicle for pursuing litigation, not votes, adding that he could not prove any political activity in the state aside from the lawsuit that he actually filed. Now, Mr. Castro, who's based out of Texas, uh, had filed at least two dozen lawsuits against former President Trump to remove him from respective states' ballots in recent weeks. Earlier this month, a judge in Arizona dismissed a similar lawsuit. His lawsuit argued that President Trump should be disbarred because of Section 3. Sound familiar? You got it. The uh, Section uh, 3 of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution stipulates that anyone who engaged in an insurrection against the United States cannot be a presidential candidate. Now, of course, the big obvious question and and, and um elephant in the room here is that Trump was never charged with insurrection, nor was he convicted of insurrection. So being that 
everybody wants to say he's an insurrectionist. It's interesting how they've never charged him with such a crime. Anyway, the U.S. Supreme Court de- declined in October to hear the appeal of a similar case that Mr. Castro brought in Florida. And a court in Orlando recently ruled that former President Trump, under the judge's uh, reading of the provision, cannot appear on the state's ballots, although the case is likely going to be appealed to the Supreme Court. Uh, the Colorado case, however, was not brought by Mr. Castro, but by a left-wing activist group uh, called Crew Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington and headed by a board member who currently serves on the U.S. Department of Homeland Security Advisory Council. So we'll keep you up to speed with that, but um, it seems like Trump keeps winning these cases, minus the one in uh, Colorado. Anyway, we're coming right back to your calls and more. We're going to get Open Phone America started very shortly. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. Congratulations on this amazing show. I know you've worked so hard in the industry and nobody deserves it more than you do. So I'm happy to see you really succeeding here. It's awesome. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Uh, happy to be here with you as we uh, wind down the year. We're getting close to Christmas or uh, like um, I celebrate with my family, Noche Buena, which is New Year's Eve uh, for, you know, a lot of our friends have different traditions, right? In Noche Buena, we, we eat a lot of pork and rice with uh, chickpeas and, and drink um, the spiked eggnog. It's fantastic, by the way. And the roasted pork shoulder. And it's just a phenomenal time with lots of different cuisine. And there are these, um, these, I don't even know what they're called. They're called pasteles, right? I don't know what they are in English, (laughs) but they're made out of like ground up, uh, plantain with, with pork on the inside and they're wrapped in a banana leaf and they're boiled and, uh, very similar to the Mexican tamale or the uh, Cuban tamale. But uh, the Puerto Rican pasteles are fantastic. And uh, really, it's just quite a, quite a gastronomic experience, honestly. And, uh, and it really typically only comes once a year where you get to indulge in all these different uh, fun traditional foods. And uh, I love it. I love it. But here we are days away from, from that and then, you know, a few more days away from the 2024. And just to think it's finally here, right? We're going to have the first primaries very, very soon. We're going to have um, New Year's Eve very, very soon. Uh, For those that celebrate New Year's Eve Eve, that's happening very soon. I mean, just a lot going on. And uh, at the end of every year, Senator Rand Paul always releases something called a Festivus report. And last year, I remember um, we, we talked about it and this year, he's exposing $900 billion 
in government squander. And this is some pretty interesting stuff. Because he really, um, he really, he nails people. But he goes from funding the the A-list uh, to money for the Egyptians in their tourism. <laughs> and it, it's just always eye-opening. And I, uh, I, I love, uh, you know, just alluding to that because it's important, right? It's important for us to, I think, keep an eye on how important things are in our government. It's important for us to see where, where there's waste, where there's fraud, there's abuse. And Congressman Chip Roy, uh, outside of what Rand Paul did, he, he, kinds of, he tends to, I should say, he tends to really call it like it is. And earlier today, he was saying that the Republican Party needs to go on the offense on another big squandered failure, and that is the southern border. I mean, I think everybody's in agreement. I was at a little dinner party um, prior to coming on the air. So maybe from, I come on at 10 Eastern. I was probably there from like six or uh, not six, more like almost eight o'clock at night to about nine or so for a little while, maybe 7.30, 7.45. And so I was there for like an hour, an hour and a half. And, and the point of the story is that I'm, I'm talking with a lot of people and having conversation, and it was great. And I was there with a elected official from a small town in New Jersey, a former restaurant owner who's a friend of mine, Cuban guy. The other guy's Puerto Rican, Dominican. And, and, and we're all just, you know, having a good time talking. And, of course, people are beating me up. They're like, oh, because Richie likes to talk about politics, and he's a Trump guy, and blah, blah, blah. And both of these guys looked at me, and they said, well, listen, when it comes to the border... Nobody's better than Trump on that issue. And I just thought that was interesting. I wasn't even bringing up the politics of it. I wasn't bringing up anything. But they brought it up. And they brought it up saying, um, yeah, we, we need to shut the border. Shut down the border. It was, it was plain and simple. Both from, uh, again, an elected official in a small town and from a former restaurateur uh, who's a friend of mine who was hosting the party. And I just thought it's, it's very interesting how people really want to go with Trump when they didn't want Trump before. So whether it's Chip Roy um, talking about shutting down the border or people on the street in the Bronx that are saying, you know what, we've got to do better. We can't mess around with Biden anymore. We can't afford it. It's important for us to, to notice that there's a shift going on in the body politic. I want you to listen to uh, Congressman Chip Roy. Go right ahead. Dan Patrick is 100% right. Lieutenant Governor is completely correct. We should be shipping folks to other parts of the country. As Greg Abbott did that last year, uh, my friend Governor DeSantis sent a plane full of people who are here illegally to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, that was important. And, you know, on the political dynamic, Republicans need to go on offense on this because this is something that is critical to our national security, and we can win on this. And it's something that not only can we win politically, we can win for the American people if we'll stand up and fight. But it's going to take all of us to go say we're going to hold the line on fire 
funding of government and on Ukraine to demand change out of this administration because they're blatantly ignoring the laws, using asylum and parole to completely consume it. We passed H.R. 2 and people throw that around like, oh, that's a crazy bill. You know what you just talked about on Title 42? Right. That was a health code COVID provision. We got H.R. 29, my bill, to say turnaway authorities should be fully in place. Okay. We got that embedded into H.R. 2 to give them the power to turn away. Yep. The White House doesn't want to use it because they want to endanger us and have open borders. This is exactly what we see going on over and over again. You've got a, a handful of people that are really interested in trying to defend the indefensible, trying to keep the border wide open. And again, I, I, I used to take exception to the terminology of open border because I felt like, you know, nobody's really advocating for an open border. They're just not doing a good job of securing the border. But I have to say, I think that there are people advocating for an open border. I think there are people that uh, are, are looking to undermine the sovereignty of this country for whatever reason. And it's not good enough, in my opinion, right? <laughs> you you got to stick with America. Anyway, we're going to continue with our discussion on what's important. And that uh, we got some audio from, uh, again, another news, uh, uh, man on the street news interview where people are asked point blank, what do you think about Joe Biden? And their responses are incredibly telling. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. call screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, familia, welcome back. America, again, you heard the phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. And we're going to get to your calls uh, shortly. Uh, Open Phone America is going to start a little bit earlier than usual because we're just minutes away anyway. But I wanted to, before we get into that, I want to uh, play a clip of uh, my friend, my colleague, Cara Castronova. She's uh, a correspondent with, uh, Newsmax TV, and she conducted a new uh, a man on the street interview uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I played that for you. But she's done it again, and she's got more material, if you will, more content that she's getting. And again, it's just it, to me, it's it's proving time and again that every time she goes out there and she hits these streets, the responses she gets are very candid, they're very honest, and they're very real. Listen to this. If President Trump came here to the South Bronx, would you attend the rally? Of course. I would want to meet Trump. I would want to shake his hand. He's the only president that I see that can ever make America great again. He's capable of doing that. I would love to go to a rally with Donald Trump come. 
Because I'm a big Donald Trump supporter, and I will support him 100%. Oh, yeah, definitely we're going to show him love. We're going to show him a lot of love, and, you know, like they do in other states. We definitely need to see Trump here. There's nothing but love for Donald Trump here in the South Bronx, the North Bronx, the East Bronx, and the West Bronx. So, you tell we me... Want, we want Trump to come back. Please, bro. Biden, get out of here, bro. I would definitely come to a Trump rally in the South Bronx. I like him. You do? Yes. Yes, I will come to a rally if President Trump was to come to the Bronx. And I also would bring other people to come to and support him. Would Joe Biden get a warm reception if he came to the Bronx? No, he wouldn't have. And I'll make sure of that. <laughs> All right. And again, uh, Trump is uh, mulling a 2024 election rally in the South Bronx in an attempt to turn the Empire State red. This is according to a piece in the New York Post. And speaking of the Bronx, I, I, I am remiss, or I would be remiss, if I didn't acknowledge my colleague from the Bronx, New York, Lydia Serrani. Lydia Serrani is, a, is an old friend of mine, broadcasting friend, and she um, hosted the show yesterday. I, I trust that you guys enjoyed uh, her sitting in for me. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank her. But in her neck of the woods, in the Bronx, Trump is thinking of um, putting together a rally there. And I hadn't even seen this in the news. Honestly, this was sent to me via text by John McLaughlin, one of the pollsters for the president. And uh, I thought, wow, that's pretty remarkable, interesting stuff. Anyway, former President Trump is in talks for a blowout rally in the South Bronx in a bid to court black voters and turn the Empire State red in the 2024 election. That's according to the New York Post. Trump was in a discussion about a rally with the New York Young Republicans, with uh, Gavin Wax. I was with Gavin Wax last night at uh, Councilwoman Vicky Palladino's um, Christmas party for the Whitestone Republican Club. And, um, and these are movers and shakers, I got to tell you. These people put stuff together. And uh, Trump said he likes the idea. He wants the club to lead it. And he says we have a large Hispanic caucus. I'm actually part of that Hispanic caucus. And a large black caucus that could lead the way, according to Gavin Wax, the president of the New York Young Republican Club. And the two of them spoke for about 30 minutes at the gala that happened. uh, uh, Let's say that was on the 9th of December. Trump uh, praised Gavin Wax uh, during his official remarks to the guests. and, And he should be praised. He's done a great job with this club. And and he's been on this program before. He's a really smart kid. And I say kid because he's like under 30 and um, and is doing uh, a lot more than many people over 30. So kudos to him. But uh, I would love to see El Trompito come to the uh, to the Bronx. Right. And uh, I think that would be pretty cool. It reminds me of Ronald Reagan going to Jersey City, right, launching his campaign in Jersey City. So um, we'll see if that happens, if it doesn't happen, how it happens, when it happens. But. Let's um, let's just wait and see what goes on. And uh, with respect to the, the group in Queens, another great group, that is the uh, the Whitestone Republican Club, uh, where Councilwoman Vicky Palladino hails from. She's terrific. Let me tell you, this woman ran for the state Senate uh, that, you know, she was an activist and an opinionated activist. And some political people came to her and said, hey, listen, you know, you should run for the state Senate. And she said, um, why? And they said, no, because you could probably win. She ran and she knew she wasn't going to win, but she knew she could make a dent. And she lost, but she made that dent. And she started to work on that dent and put her foot in it and widen it out and make it bigger. And the next thing you know, she ran for a city council seat and she won. 
and uh, and then she won again, and now she's had her first full re-election and won with not just a victory, but I would say an electoral mandate, 21% win for a Republican, a conservative Trump Republican in Queens. How about that? New York City. Remarkable. But it goes to show you that Republicans can still win. Not every election is stolen. If you can get a a firebrand Republican like Vicky Palladino elected to the New York City Council. And again, she's she's a dear friend. Uh, I support her 100 percent. But if you can get somebody who's no holds barred telling it like it is and get them elected, then it, it goes to show me that the system is not as corrupt as people want to make it look. It's just not that bad. Republicans can win elections. Period. The end. Punto y final. So I just want to impress that upon you because I think we need people to, um, you know, to, to, to do everything, right? You need people to be skeptical. You need people to be optimistic, all of the above. But at the end of the day, we need people, and, and that's how you win these things. Anyway, there is more to come straight ahead. We're just getting started. Hour number three is coming right around the corner. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. For Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, we're getting ready for Open Phone America, the third and final hour of the program. Again, I am Rich Valdez here with you till 1 a.m. Eastern time. If you're catching us on delay, thank you for listening to the show. If you're catching us live, Feel free to give us a call, 833-482-5337. If you want to weigh in, now's your chance. We're talking about all the topics we've discussed tonight, plus whatever you want to bring to the table. It's that kind of party over here. Always happy to speak with you, 833-4-VALDES. And, you know, last night I took the night off. I've never actually had a guest host come in before because I I love being with you guys, my audience. I really do. But uh, Lydia Saran and I did a great job um, hanging out with you guys last night and having the conversation that had to be had. But I was in a conga line. I was in a conga line with a bunch of Republicans in Queens, Queens, New York, New York City. And what I, what was remarkable is a couple of years back, Vicky Palladino and the Whitestone Republican Club had a, a Christmas party, but it was during COVID. And they were widely criticized for having a conga line and people had their hands on the shoulders of the person in front of them. And they they were, you know, there was physical contact. People were dancing. And it was just, um, you know, a, a big deal at the time. People were freaking out. And they said, it was a super spreader. This is horrible. She's evil. All sorts of criticism. And last night as I was making my way through the restaurant uh, in the conga line, I, I, all I could think was, you know, how interesting, how funny, how how cool uh, of an event where, you know, um, 
it was it was the end of the world a couple of years ago, but now everybody was enjoying themselves. Nobody's being critical. And, and it made me thankful, it made me very thankful for just the country that we're in, that even though a, a bunch of crazy lefties pulled the wall over our eyes and uh, fooled us, you know, we bounced back. We bounced back and we didn't lose sight of liberty. We didn't lose sight of what it means to be an American. And we didn't lose sight of doing what's right. And I'm glad that we have it. I'm glad that people held on to their common sense. I'm glad that people are are still involved and getting more involved because that's what we need to do. We need to be involved, right? On my podcast, This Is America with Rich Valdez, I always end it with a couple of um, quotes that are usually attributed to uh, Lord Acton and and others. Uh, but I, I always remind people that you have to stand for something because if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. You have to do something. You have to speak up. You have to stand up. You have to take action. You've got to have that courage to join the conga line, right? (laughs) Put your arms on the shoulders of the person in front of you and just dance in that conga line because ultimately that's how we're building, right? And I I mean, I say that in jest, but in reality, we do have to take action. Anyway, we're going to get to your calls and more momentarily. I see we've got calls from all over the globe. we got the Philippines online, Delaware, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Idaho, and more. Give me a call, 833-4-VALDEZ. city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez What's up, America? Merry Christmas. Hi there. Good evening. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to Hour 3 of the program, Open Phone America. Feel free to give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. And uh, earlier I'd mentioned a little bit about Rand Paul's Festivus report. He does this every year, and it's fantastic. Uh, This year, he exposed over $900 billion in government squander from, again, funding the A-list to tourism in Egypt. And and there's a little bit of a list of of what uh, they have in this article. Let me see if I can uh, pull it up. But I also want to get to your your calls because I think that's uh, important as well. And I see that there's a bunch of people on hold. So while we... um, while I fix this Festivus thing, I want to uh, get a handle from you guys. Something I want to talk about tonight. And again, if you've never called the show, feel free to call tonight because uh, I want to hear from you. I, I want to get a sense of what you're, you're planning for Christmas, how you're celebrating for Christmas, maybe your favorite Christmas story. 
I don't have a ton of Christmas stories, but I can tell you there's a, uh, an electronics chain <coughs> that started in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, they're all over the East Coast. I don't know if they're all over the country or not, but they're called PC Richard and Son. And I remember as a kid, there was a PC Richards on Avenue U in Brooklyn. And as I grew up and moved to Jersey, there was uh, there's one in on Kennedy Boulevard in West New York, New Jersey, Hudson County. And part of what um, what I learned was that, you know, it was it was a good place to, to buy things. It was like a family owned uh, appliance and electronics chain. And for years, they had this commercial with Santa Claus in it. And the Santa from that commercial, I happened to meet. And this guy is um, um, legitimately a heavyset dude with a genuinely white beard and, uh, and a husky voice. And he, in reality, looks like Santa. And because he looks so much like Santa and he's an actor, he, he gets a lot of Santa work all year long. And one year, I don't remember what year it was, but many years ago, probably about eight or nine years ago now, maybe 10. I hired him to come to my family's uh, Noche Buena celebration. And we were at my brother's place and the kids were young enough, but probably all on their last year of thinking, is Santa real? And it was a great experience. This guy came in, I created some distractions, threw something out the window that hit the side of the house, made it sound like it was on the roof. And I was like, what is that, reindeer? You know, it was approaching midnight. It was something like 1030 at night. I said, maybe he got here early. Maybe his GPS isn't working. It was just really fun. And there was other family members there. But he came in and he did, you know, uh, an amazing show, if you will. And uh, I remember my youngest daughter or my niece, one or the other, um, went to him and like put her hands on her hips. And with a lot of sass said, you're not really Santa, are you? And he ripped open his Santa Claus jacket as if like he were a flasher. And he had a T-shirt under his Santa suit that said, yes, I am the real Santa. <laughs> it was so funny and the timing was so good. We took a lot of pictures and it was wonderful. And, and, I, and I learned that it's really fun and nice to bring Santa to your family gathering, right? At least once. It's, it's a fun experience, especially if there's kids, obviously. But that was something that we did. And, and I want to hear about some of the things you're doing. Uh, because, again, I'm not going to be with you for a few days. Uh, we will have some of our, I love it, I love to call it our greatest hits, the best of programs, some of our best interviews from throughout the year that uh, got the most um, questions and uh, people wanted to hear again. And uh, things that I think will be beneficial to you, you know, lifestyle topics, not all politics all the time, but some interesting stuff. Anyway, all that being said, I want to hear from you guys, and I want to go to one of our longtime callers, Gil from Manila, Philippines, listening online to Rich Valdez, America at night.com. Gil, Merry Christmas, sir. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Um, How are you, sir? Well, I'm getting better. You know, I had some health issues, and... Uh, I'll be getting a new hearing aid after the first of the year, thanks to the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Amen. So I'll get some of my hearing back. But you mentioned P.C. Richards. I used to uh, buy things at the P.C. Richards uh, in Queens. <laughs> the one closest, 
you know, the one close to the studio where they filmed uh, Law and Order, you know, that's sure. all filmed in New York. And yeah. um, I remember I was at PC Richards one day and they brought in a whole um, busload of sailors from a Greek ship that was that was in New York Harbor. <laughs> and they all came there to, to do their shopping. But That's um, funny. it's a, it, I don't are they are they still as active as they used to be? Um, PC I don't see the commercials anymore because I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, and TV's kind of gone streaming for so many people. And I cut the cord years ago, but they, they're still around. Uh, they, they always have deals. I, I I know that they still exist. I went to one not too long ago, and uh, some years ago I bought a like a new stainless steel fridge and 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 uh, a set of stainless steel appliances and i got a really good deal from them so um yeah i think they're still rocking and rolling okay well the reason i called is uh, uh you're talking about um, the issues with the border um and yeah. they're having uh, record numbers of border crossers over the last week um over ten thousand a day uh and um most of them are coming from venezuela and we just did a prisoner swap with Venezuela. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't discuss it on the show. Um, Venezuela was illegally holding American citizens, and uh, they were swapped for a friend of the current president of, uh, of Venezuela. So I thought that uh, that, that bore mentioning and... Um, um, just uh, one quick thing before I go. Sure. Uh, my hearing's not too good, so I'm not sure I'm on key, but. <clears throat> Feliz Navidad. That, 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 that. Uh... Feliz Navidad. Do, 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 do. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. You know, Jose Feliciano is my contemporary. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, that was an amazing rendition of Feliz Navidad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I I checked. He's still alive. He's in his 80s and uh, doing as well as possible, I guess. And uh, this is just uh, a message to all uh, listening. Uh, you know, I was like your predecessor. I was Santa Claus every Christmas, and uh, I couldn't do it this year because of my health issues. Oh, and uh, but I would uh, work on weekends, and uh, during the weekdays I would uh, be Santa Claus at the orphanages, and it was a great deal of fun. You know, anytime you can make a kid happy, it doesn't take much. Yeah, anyhow, you know what? I, like, I I I feel the same way about Christmas overall with people. With everybody, whether it's a kid or anybody else, if I can ha- play a, a hand in any way in, in brightening someone's day, making life better for them, doing something that would really be helpful, um, you know, even cracking a joke or whatever, I, I try to be helpful because, I, you know, I get I, I feel a little nostalgic during Christmas, a little bit um, more generous than normal. And, and I think many people do. Right. You, you tend to see more. And when you live on the East Coast, it's cold here and you, you kind of go through a lot of it and. And uh, I, I totally get what you're saying. So, Gil, thank you for the call, brother. I appreciate you. Godspeed to you. Uh, if I, I won't 
speak with you again until uh, after the new year. So um, blessings to you and yours. And um, just keep resting and doing what you got to do. You'll be Santa again next year. Thank you, Gil. Thank you. Very you good. bet. Merry Christmas. Folks, we're going to come back with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, we're taking your call straight to 1 a.m. Open Phone America. Let us continue here. Uh, Let's go with, where are we going? We're going with Scott LaCrosse, Wisconsin, W-I-Z-M. Scott, go right ahead. Well, how are you tonight, Rich? Wonderful. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. I'm a kind of a recent listener, you know, maybe six months or so. And I really do enjoy the show up here in lacrosse. Um, I just had a little Thank you. interesting interesting point about, you know, I looked up the Google and I was looking up the amount of registered voters in the country. And it came up to be somewhere around like 168 million, I believe. I'm not exactly sure. It was somewhere in that range. Yeah. And then... um. The voter, they had said that 60-some, 68 67.8 or something, and they're voted. Now, if you took a calculator and went 168 times 0.68, I think you get around 114 million. Okay. Where do all these votes come from that say 81 and 74? Doesn't that equal like 155 million maybe or? I, yeah. I don't know if I, my math is right or not, but. Well, I mean, it's not incredibly off. Like a 90% turnout. How did we have a 90% turnout when Google says we have a 66.8%? I, I, I don't understand the, the the numbers, and I don't. maybe I'm the only one that knows this or, or looked on there and is doing this math. I don't know. I don't know either, but what I could say is, I mean, it doesn't seem incredibly skewed, right? It, it seems like the voter universe seems to be that that big. Of course, I think it uh, gives many of us pause where we can say, wow, how did uh, so-and-so get 81 million votes and how did that happen? Uh, I'm with many people on this one. It, it doesn't seem accurate to me. Uh, I do think it was a high-stakes election and a lot of people were out there um, voting against Trump. I think there are a lot of people there voting for Trump. Uh, I think very few people were there voting for Biden, right? <laughs> I don't think anybody said, oh my God, I can't miss the polls. I got to leave work early, boss. Why? I, I got to make sure I get my vote in for Joe. We love Joe. You know, I love the way he sniffs people's hair. No, I don't think anybody's really supporting Joe. They were really just voting against Trump or or voting for Trump. But I don't think they were voting for Joe. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my belief. And 
Uh, with you, I, I agree that there's some discrepancies in numbers, but it doesn't seem outside of the realm of reason. I think it, there's an explanation for lots of things as we look at it. Most of it is, is you know, some of it may be funny business, others maybe other other things, but ultimately we can do better. And I think if looking at that data shows us anything, it's that we can be so close to something yet so far away. And I played this clip of audio of uh, former president Trump a little earlier, uh, but it's only it's less than a minute. And, and I want you to hear it again because he talks about how the 2020 election was a giant scam and ultimately how it's truly a disgrace. Listen to this. The most important poll released in the last 20 years came out stating that 20% of the mail-in ballots in the 2020 presidential election were rigged or defective. It was the Rasmussen poll, highly respected. That means that the election was a giant scam. You cannot have a fair and honest election as long as there are mail-in ballots involved. Cheating will always be prevalent. France and many other countries have stopped the madness. They got rid of their mail-in votes. The Republican Party must do something now. They have to work, they have to stick together, and they have to fight because the Democrats cheat. They cheat like nobody has ever cheated before. It's a disgrace. So, Scott, when you hear the president talk about this uh, Rasmussen poll that uh, cites how, you know, 20%, I think it was one in five, I remember doing this on the show a few days back, one in five uh, voters says that they cheated, right? That they, they committed their own version of fraud based on how they were defining fraud in the survey, whether it was um, signing a ballot for somebody without their permission, uh, dropping it off for them, ballot harvesting, et cetera, all sorts of things that went into um, violating that. And that's one in five on either side, right? It's not particular to Democrats or Republicans. So when, when you look at that and you say, wow, well, at least 20% of it, uh, according to this piece, is, you know, um, not legit because of it falling outside of the law, if you will. Um, I think that's a, a interesting thing that I think if we looked more and deeper, we'd find out more about these topics. So I think that's part of the issue. I think the other part of the issue is making sure we don't have um, any or many ways to vote um, outside of the traditional way, right? Uh, go to a, um, a booth and cast a vote. When you have this situation where we have all of these other types of ballots, mail-in ballots especially, it makes things way more difficult. And I think that's uh, part of the problem, Scott. Now, what what are your plans for Christmas? What what are your traditions? You have family dinner at your house? You go into your family's house? What's the story? Well, me, we lost, we lost a mother-in-law like uh, right before Christmas, two years oh, ago sorry. now. So it's a it's a little smaller. We're up in Wisconsin. A lot of people in our family are from Chicago because that's where we're originally from in uh, western suburbs. And few, quite a few moved out to Arizona. So it's a it's a small Christmas time, but uh, that's okay. My brother-in-law is coming up with his wife, and we'll be fine. My son and I and my wife and my father-in-law. So, You know, Scott, it's always it's a, about it's a little, quality little dry, you know, it's, over quantity, right? It is. And then uh, tomorrow's her second year, you know, death anniversary. So oh, got really? my wife some flowers and things and flowers with her mom's favorite colors and it all worked out. You know, it's going to work out good. 
Well, brother, uh, I wish you and your family the best. Thanks for tuning in and becoming a recent listener. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody in La Crosse, Wisconsin on WIZM. Scott, Godspeed to you. And we're going to continue with the rest of your calls. We got calls from Kentucky, Delaware, Idaho, uh, Oregon, uh, South Dakota, and more. And again, if you miss any of the interviews we do on this or if the market that you're in doesn't carry this program live, but they carry us on a delay uh, or whatever the situation is, you can always go back to our website, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. And go to the podcast section. You can hear every interview. They're all listed by the name of the guest and a little bit about what the show was about and a little blurb. It really is a fantastic um, tool. It's absolutely free. So make sure you do that. You can subscribe to the podcast as well, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. Click subscribe, share it with a friend. That's how we do what we do around here, folks. Anyway, we're coming right back your way, familia. Don't go anywhere. Rich Valdez, 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. The clock has already hit midnight. It's the 23rd of December already. That means tomorrow night, technically, is Noche Buena and uh, Christmas Eve, and um, where we will eat all the unhealthy stuff that uh, us Puerto Ricans like to eat <laughs> to celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus. And uh, what what a, what a delight it is, honestly. It's one of my favorite times of year. Anyway, uh, there's a vibrating pill that may help with obesity by making your stomach feel full. This is in the newscientist.com. Swallowing this pill fitted with a vibrating motor resulted in pigs eating less, suggesting a possible new approach for treating obesity. Yep, that's a thing. So um, I'm looking at the pill. It's like a little capsule with a little battery thing in it. I think that's insane, honestly. The pill contains a vibrating motor powered by a small silver oxide battery. When it reaches the gut, gastric acid uh, dissolves its outer layer. This causes an electric uh, circuit to short, and it closes out, and that starts the vibration. Now, this vibrating pill tricks your brain into thinking that your stomach is full and they think it one day could treat obesity. Um, Giovanni Traverso at the MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and his colleagues developed this pill around the size of a standard multivitamin that has this vibrating motor powered by a small silver oxide battery. And boom, they think this thing is going to work. And in the experiment with the pigs, some of them were given the pill uh, 20 minutes before being given access to food. This is interesting. And the pigs ate around 40% less compared to pigs that had not taken the vibrating pill. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm sold. I don't know um, if I'm going to 
ingest a vibrating pill? I doubt it really a lot. <laughs> Very much so, I doubt it. But anyway, you guys let me know your thoughts on this and everything else that we're talking about. We've got a lot on the table right here. We're talking about Christmas. We're talking about the state of our country and everything else happening in between. Uh, where did I want to go? Let's see. we got a lot of people here. Let's go to Elvis, Morgantown, Kentucky on WKCT. Elvis, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Well, he uh, got that down wrong. I guess it's Otis, O-T-I-S. Oh, Otis. Okay, that's fine. That works for me, yeah. too. O-T-I-S. Welcome, sir. Yes. Uh, how you doing, Rich? And uh, Merry Christmas to you and everyone Thank else. You. And a Happy New Year. We hope everything will be fine. Uh, I'm optimistic Amen to that. Uh, about uh, this uh, Supreme Court ruling. You know, uh, maybe the tide is turning and everything for Republicans. And uh, Could be. Following Gill there now, it's hard to follow Gill. He's got my heart warmed up that story and everything Gill gave there. And uh, oh, Gill's great. I'm with Scott too and everything. Uh, there's never been a sitting president got 10 million extra votes, you know, from his first time and ever lost, never before. I'd right. love to see an audit in Michigan, a few other places. It'll never happen though. But my point is, I was telling your uh, caller, I see some. I know Donald Trump's a patriot. More than mm-hmm. I ain't, I ain't going to talk about the other group and everything there, but uh, <laughs> Donald Trump, I see some parallels with uh, our founding fathers. They pledged their lives, their treasures, and sacred honor. Donald Trump has lost money, we know. And yeah. he's gave his salary up also for uh, charity. And him and Melania, uh, first lady here about six years ago, am I not wrong? They stayed in the White House during Christmas during a uh, budget dispute. Everything when Nancy Pelosi and him was in there, yeah. And, and, he, and also uh, he also, I think that was the same year that he uh, surprised the troops on Thanksgiving. Oh yes, yes, he flew over there. That's right. Yeah. And uh, of course, Nancy Pelosi and him was in charge of everything. And before they got out there, if you'll remember, it, uh, uh, Adam Schiff, he was wanting to do with whistleblowers. Thank God, these whistleblowers, we wouldn't be where we're at now. A little bit of optimism, anyway. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I, my tradition, uh, it's not going to, I'm uh, the last of my family. I'm uh, done getting old and everything. I will go a mile out the road here to uh, my nieces and uh, say grace. I'm the patriarch kind of of the family. About six nieces and nephews left. I've had my times back years ago. I'm a divorcee and everything. All right. But uh, I really do enjoy your program and your parodies. Keep that up, Rich. You're doing great. <laughs> and uh, Thank you, Otis. Uh, I know and, uh, that uh, Larry King and Jim Bohanna would be very proud of you. Uh, I'm looking forward Thanks. to next year. You, know, you have a very good selection. Of, I don't want to keep up too much time. The best joke I heard this year, a 10-second joke. Yep. A skunk, a deer, and a duck went out to dinner. When the check came, the skunk didn't have a cent. The deer didn't have a book, so they put the bill on the duck's bill. <laughs> the check on the duck's bill. <laughs> that was very funny. <laughs> I love like it. Well, thank you. For we the- all need to be looking up. Listen, we need to, you know, just get the Justice Department straightened out. After uh, elections in the country, and we will all be happy. No, Otis, I think you're 100% right here. Um, a, I thank you for everything that you said. Very kind of you to say it. I appreciate it. And you're right. We do need to keep looking up. We need to, we need to improve things. And, and I think we, I sense things are getting better. I know there's a bunch of people that follow me that like to chime in in the comments and tell me, Oh, Rich, get ready. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I just happen to be very optimistic. 
even even though I could look at a glass half empty, I still think America's the best country on the planet. Uh, I'm very biased that way, and I feel like we're 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 going to get better. We're going to improve. Things are not going to be horrible for our children. I get concerned and I get nervous, but ultimately we talk ourselves off the ledge and we move forward. So Otis, thank you for the call from Morgantown, Kentucky. Great great conversation with you. Big shout out to W. KCT and um, let me see we'll, we'll do another one here and then we'll we'll go to the break they'll yell at me in my ear but I'll pretend I don't hear it let's go to Boise Idaho and check in with Paulie Paulie's listening online Rich Valdez America at night go right ahead Merry Christmas thanks for taking my call Merry Christmas yes sir thanks for the great shows you put on every night that I listen um, thank you yeah, I wanted to mention you, you. You were talking about ego the other night. Yeah, and uh, I don't think I know a man that doesn't have one. Sure, <laughs> it's where it gets over, where it gets overblown, and and humility is not a part of it. Is yeah, where we run into trouble, and when we can temper it and keep it down, but still have it and know we have it and utilize it, then it becomes valuable to us instead of a a, a really a bad draw. Um, you're, you know, Paul, I think yeah. you're right about that. And it's not just ego that works that way, right? But I think it's a lot of things. There's a psychologist that I'm a big fan of, Dr. Jordan Peterson. And he um, he, he did an interview where he was talking about um, passivity and danger. And and I wish I had it so I could play it for you because I, I paraphrasing it won't do it justice. But ultimately, he says, you know, the, the key like, you know, the, the secret, right, to, to life or to figuring things out is to be able to remain dangerous, not just to know things, but to actually be able to hurt people, to kill people, and then not doing it. And he said that that is, that is what it's all about. It's all about making sure that you have this potential and capacity to do lots of things, but you don't do them. But you have it there should you need to do it to defend your family, to defend your country, to do whatever. And, and I thought it was a remarkable statement because he said it's really you have to be able to be dangerous if you're not able to be dangerous. And it's very similar to what you're saying that, you know, everybody has an ego and you need one. And you're right. How could I get on the radio every day and not have an ego? I need the ego to do what we do. But the ego can become your enemy. Right. So it's it's a really interesting place to be to be and uh, kind of a little bit of a dance that you have to have where you don't let the ego get the better of you, like you mentioned, but you have enough of it to to thrive in the situation that you're in. Uh, So you can be authoritative so you can really deliver uh, a good show or a good presentation one way or another. Right. I did want to, however, mention real quick, if I may. Sure. Secretary of State Blinken, he came out of the blocks. The first thing he did was up in Alaska when he met with the Chinese was he bowed his head and kissed his, their took us. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I remember. And he apologized that. for the United States. Yeah, he did. And that was just despicable. And then the next thing he did was he apologized for Afghanistan and the great job that they did getting everybody out of there. And that, that one turned my stomach. And you know, and then I look on the on the board over there at Penn Penn University that the Biden China Biden uh, shop over there. I forget the exact name. His oh name yeah, yeah, the, the, the Biden Pen Center. Right. Thank you. Yes, and 
And guess where they found some of those documents, the classified and the top secret, were there. Yep. So he, he he could be implicated too, but... <laughs> Well, you know, there's no shortage of places to look or things to do when it comes to Joe Biden. I think he's just a sloppy guy that gets a pass on a lot of things. And uh, we're going to see what happens as we move forward. But thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you and your family. God bless. Folks, we're coming back to the rest of your calls straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. By the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations, somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing. Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. So welcome back. Uh, Rich Valdez here with you straight till 1 a.m. We're getting through all of your calls as we um, discuss Christmas traditions and whatever issues you want to talk about here in the United States. Uh, lots to discuss. I wanted to go to Donato in Wilmington, Delaware. Let's get a little perspective on Joe El Baboso Biden. Donato, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Merry Christmas. Hey, Rich. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. You're doing a nice job. Uh, Thank you. In an Italian-American, I'm first generation. My parents were immigrants to the United Uh, States. Seven fishes. An Italian-American. Yes, yes. Feast of the seven fishes. Now, mom and dad are gone. All my uncles and aunts are gone. I tried over the years to keep the tradition going. Those people worked very hard. It's not easy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, I, <yeah. laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know how they do it. Now I, I take the – we go out. We go out on Christmas Eve uh, because I've tried to do um, what they did, and, and I miss them dearly. And, and, I and bet. They, uh, they, made it, they made it happen, and I'm not half the man they were when it comes to the Feast of the Seven Fishes, I'll tell you. You know, I, I love that you brought that up. I was telling my daughter about this yesterday and I was saying, you know, she was like, she was like, I don't understand. Why do we, what, what she's like, all of my friends celebrate Christmas on Christmas day. And I was like, well, we don't do that. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, uh, my whole life, my parents, we, we did, we did. And everybody we knew we did all, you know, and again, we didn't do seven fishes, but it was a very similar type of thing, right? Um, midnight mass came on at midnight. We, we ate what we ate. You guys ate seven fishes and wh- whatever the tradition was. But it, the party was all night long, and it was like a New Year's Eve party for Christmas. And it, 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 you're right that they put in so much hard work. My mom used to grind these um, uh, plantains to make this um, dough, almost uh, is the best way to put it, to, to make these these pasteles, right? They're like tamales almost. And they have uh, pork inside and whatever. It's an hour's long, I'm talking like a half a day's worth, eight, nine, ten hours worth of work to make this dish. And then they have to be boiled after they're ground down by hand. And it's just a lot of work. And I remember one year she got a food processor and it made it a little bit easier. But it was so much work. But that's what they knew, right? They knew hard work. They knew that. That was the life that they lived. And, of course, the rest of us that didn't grow up with that life, didn't. my dad grew up on a farm. 
Um, I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. So, and then Hudson County, New Jersey, we had running water, we had electricity, we didn't have any farm animals. So, you know, obviously we, we, we lose tradition, but because of the, the upward mobility that we have in life. And so when you say that, you know, you tried hard, I believe you, I try hard too. You know, now me trying hard looks like me ordering pastelas from somebody that makes them and, and making sure that we eat them. And I force my kids, hey, you better eat that. You better eat that tradition. You know, but it, it's, it's fascinating to hear. And I know so many um, ethnic cultures have different traditions like the Italians, like the Puerto Ricans, like a lot of people. And uh, it's always a pleasure for me to hear those things. Anyway, Donato, I know you wanted to chime in on Joe El Baboso Biden. Go right ahead. I'll go real fast. So he, you know, I was born in 71. He, he was elected in 72. So he's been here my whole life, right? And, and, and I don't know how many of your listeners ever have ever met a, a native Delawarean. There's not many of us. And so uh, I, find, I find some people have no idea where Delaware is, and I laugh right. at that. It's okay. Um, he's not the Joe Biden now that we all knew. And listen, he was always goofy, and he always said the wrong things. He was kind of like a jock. And you yeah. expect so much from a guy that's uh, played football in his head too many times. And we, but he was our Joe Biden, and, right. and, and we took him for what he was. But he became vice president. Very few of us here at home ever expected that. And, and I think that was the beginning of the change. Because before that, Joe Biden was a very friendly foot, you know, feet on the ground. He walked in parades. He walked in the Puerto Rican Day Parade on 4th Street. Uh, right my oh yeah, the one. <laughs> you know, it's funny. He talked about that one day, and he said, "You know, I was raised by the Puerto Rican community and uh, uh, politically." And I thought that was so funny, Donato. I, I love talking to you. Have a great Christmas. I gotta hit a break here, but we're gonna come right back. Godspeed to you. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Feliz Navidad to the best audience talk radio's ever had. Each and every one of you are a blessing to me. I want to go to Katie in Reading, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Go right ahead, Katie, quickly. Okay, um, hi. Um, hi. Since Jim passed, I've always been concerned about, you know, prayer and, and good deeds and stuff. And I was thinking, would it not be a good thing that on the night that he made the announcement that he was ill, at the time that he did it, that whoever you're on the phone with talking to at that day and time that they should be able to express their own intentions and that we should all pray for them and in honor of Jim and having a miracle. I love that idea. Honestly, I think we should do that all the time. I think, uh, prayer is one of those things that moves mountains in life. I realize that I'm such a, um, incapable man and there's so few things that I have control over. And ultimately we have to let go. We have to let God do his thing and we have to be comfortable in God's will so that we can really embrace uncertainty willfully, right? And enjoy it and, and look forward to the uncertainty. Otherwise we kind of thrash around misery in our heads by overthinking. Katie, excellent idea. I love it. And hopefully we can put that into practice. Feliz Navidad, everybody. Godspeed to you. Merry Christmas. I wish you the best of New Year's. Keep tuning in. You're going to enjoy the interviews. And hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America, I'll talk to you in 2024. I'm Rich Valdez.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.